You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. Today I have a very interesting guest with very impressive success story. My guest today is Joseph Martin, and he's the founder of BoxyCharm. It's a subscription beauty service that launched in 2013. He started his business with $375 and turned it into a huge empire, which sold after for over $500 million. For those of you who might not know, BoxyCharm is a Miami-based online subscription beauty service launched in 2013. With Joseph's unique vision as CEO, BoxyCharm quickly became a major disruptor in online subscription beauty box industry as the first brand to deliver full-size products to members. Today, the company has a community of more than 4 million followers across social media platforms, enjoys more than 10 million monthly visitors online, and is the number one search beauty box brand on YouTube. BoxyCharm made to 500 as one of the fastest growing companies in nation in 2018, 19, and 2020. In 2020, the company was acquired for 500 million by Beauty for All Industries, a newly formed beauty innovation platform that is home to Ipsy, Made It By Collective, and more. My guests will be sharing so many interesting topics. We'll be talking about the main concept and how he started such a successful brand, how he built an empire from nothing, and made it so successful. Also, we'll be talking about one tip that changed the life. And was he ever rejected? Has he ever failed? What are the essential things to know as an aspiring entrepreneur? Should we also know marketing strategies if we're starting a brand? How to hire the perfect fit for the company? What's the best investment strategy and so much more also my guest is host of an incredible entrepreneurship liquidity and liquor podcast so make sure to check it out as well guys and don't forget to show some love to not basic blonde podcast so don't forget to subscribe rate and review not basic blonde podcast on apple podcasts
Hi, I'm so honored and so glad to have you on Not Basic One podcast and having you such a successful entrepreneur and one of the founders of my favorite brand, one of my favorite brands, BoxyCharm, because I've been working with them since the beginning, since they just launched and I still partner with them monthly. We would love to know more about you, about yourself, your career, and how did you start BoxyCharm and how did you get into it? Perfect. First of all, thank you for having me. Yeah, BoxyCharm, I launched BoxyCharm as a soft launch in 2013, which I'm going to get to how and why did I even get into it. And I exited the company in 2020, sold it to my competition, Ipsy. My experience going into BoxyCharm wasn't an overnight thing. I had a different company, which was started with $375 when I was an international student trying to figure out how to make some money. And I figure if I can flip truckloads of merchandise while I was studying at the FIU, uh, I was able to flip truckloads from department stores and from drug stores like CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, Macy's. Um, and that was around 2004. That's where I started. And at that time, I learned search engine optimization to promote my previous company, a liquidation company. And it got me into a lot of internet marketing skills. And around 2012, I was already having a good infrastructure. I had two warehouses, employees, office space, and I was moving a lot of goods. And I ran into the concept of monthly beauty subscription box. And I figured I can do it better with the concept that it was. I wasn't the one jumping on every business idea. I was doing one and I decided I'm going to do it the right way. But in this one, I figured there's a gap in the space. I can do it better. And I knew already internet marketing. So it was easy for me to launch the concept because I had infrastructure, I had offices, I had employees, I had warehouses. So all I had to do is just start. And yeah, and from there on, my life technically changed. I had no idea what I'm getting myself into and ended up building a company with... Um, over a million active members that get a box every month, 1.2 million uh, monthly users. And um, yeah, and eventually I sold it at uh, the end of 2020 to our competition for half a billion dollar. And uh, now I exit the company. So that definitely changed my life. And I also learned everything about makeup. So I can tell you anything you need to know about makeup. <laughs> That's funny. But how did you come up with that concept? Because BoxyCharm basically is... $25 a month subscription box where you get $200 worth of makeup. Does it even make sense for companies to sell um, that much products? I mean, of course, they sell it for, I mean, they have different prices for it, like wholesale prices for when they do the box and all that. But how does it make sense for companies to do that? They... The concept is that we pay the cost of manufacturing. The gap between cost of goods to retail cost in the beauty space is, is large. It takes many months for a brand to actually launch a product. It can take between eight months to two years until you actually go from concept to product in a shelf selling the product. So because of that, there's a lot of leftovers and so on, and the margin has to be big. Otherwise, brands wouldn't make it. And um, when I started Boxy, it was, was kind of like, I had no idea how to start. I just knew I didn't want to do sample size. The concept was running on sample size. And I figured if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have 
either what everyone else is doing, which the concept was a brand gives for free to a box a sample size and the box put five items and ship it to consumer. I said, no, I want to pay the manufacturing cost. So a brand doesn't have to accord the cost, but I want to do it full size. Uh, so I'll charge you a little bit more. And that's why it was instead of $10, it was 21 at the time, later on 25. And I learned that it, the, the, this, the value is there, meaning a brand can produce an eyeshadow palette or a skincare product for $3 and they'll sell it between $50 to $80. Or uh, a lip liner, for example, can cost 60 cents to make, but they'll sell it for $19.99. And yes, the profit is that much. So I figure if I put five items, the profit is going to be five times more than what you pay or more, but I can do it consistently forever. And I was surprised that no one else was thinking about this. So I did this. And as I was going on, it was around 2014, 2015. That's when I kind of like figured out the formula for it. I was growing and I, I understood that eventually the competition, the ones that started a couple of years before me are going to adopt it and will move into it. But I was surprised to see that they haven't. And only around 2018, the main competitor figured it out and decided to do the same thing. But by then, I was already too big to kill. And we had more than just a price concept. It was a little bit more than that. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes a little tweak of something that was already invented can go a long way. I feel like when you look at companies who made it, the majority of companies who made it are not first movers. The ones that invent the space many times are not the one to win. If you look at uh, MySpace, they came up with a concept, but Facebook took over, right? It's a, there is a, a premise where you say that there's 11% of first movers, the one that invent a space that actually went in one on an overall largest part versus uh, second movers that modified the first concept that actually win. It's 87%. So 87% of companies who made it did not invent the concept. They only bettered the concept. 11% of first movers are going to be the one who win. And I was always comfortable being a second mover. I just knew that if there is a space that I can fix, I can be a second mover that can take over the space and take over the popularity and the size and eventually win. And that's what happened with BoxyCharm. Yeah, it's incredible. I love the concept and I love all the products because they're high quality products and they even invented like Loxy box now. Like you pay a little bit more and you get even better products, even more products. But yeah, only FabFitFun had the same kind of concept, but they had not just, they only had, they had different things, not just makeup like BoxyCharm, but still, yeah, like you said, no one else like yeah, the, the, the quarterly boxes the quarterly boxes in a way when you look at the company over subscription box without being so technical a subscription box especially a monthly beauty box or not just beauty but a box that ships a million boxes plus a month is is actually a different execution than a quarter because, because a quarterly box and those sizes don't have the same intensity of, of logistic challenges once you go into every month it's, it's almost a different business in a way you can't really do the same thing you have a lot more uh, room and leeway when you do it quarterly we did uh, have uh, boxylax which is a quarterly subscription tied into the monthly subscription so coming from the side of things you can learn that the business itself was an odd business because you ask yourself what am i exactly Am I, a beauty, am I a beauty brand? I'm absolutely not a beauty brand. Am I 
uh, a logistic run. I mean, it's a challenging concept. Not too many fulfillment centers were able to take over. We had to eventually build our own uh, location. We had to be by part a fulfillment company. We had uh, uh, a location that we built. It was a size of 10 football fields to fulfill that size. Um, and and you, you said, but I'm not, I'm, I'm really not. Uh, what am I, I'm, I'm more of a marketing brand, more, more of a marketing partner for brands, kind of like making a matchmaking between consumers and brands. And that involves technology, artificial intelligence, and logistic. And that's where we're sitting. It was important to understand what you are on a, on a concept of things. And there is a big logistic arm. There's a big marketing arm behind this. There's a lot of uh, data that has to be processed and produced into a product uh, at the end. And at, and then on top of that, you just, you have to willing and dealing and, and convince big brands that you're the thing that you, they want to do and they want to work with you. And that was one of those challenges, at least at first. Later on, it was easier. But uh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting concept. And that was also hard to sell it when you want to exit the business because when you want to sell it, you know, it's very clear and defined when you're a beauty box. The numbers are there. If you made a dollar, it's X multiples for a dollar. Let's go. We know already who's going to buy you, the potential strategic buyers and everything else. But when you're a beauty box, no one has made any major acquisition for beauty, brands, beauty boxes before. No one. And you kind of not sure 100% who's going to buy you. When you go into a process around 2018, I wanted to sell the business and it took us a while to prep it and eventually put it on the market and then sell it. But we learned that the message is not clear because there's no define what, yeah, you're making money. Yeah. You're profitable. I can multiple, I can do the EBITDA multiples based on what Chewy, not really because it's an e-commerce space. It's not based on, uh, I don't know, Stitch Fix, not really, because they're not really making any money. So there's no really comparisons to what you really are. And it was a challenge at the end of the day. And BoxyCharm really took off in pandemic because like, I remember they got really popular and that's, I probably got reached out in 2019, 20, yeah, 2019 to promote it. And it got really popular. And now, I mean, it's very popular. I got mine yesterday. <laughs> So we had we had in 20 I would say every year we get better and more popular so our, our growth was 2018 130 million then 2019 200 and I want to say 50 million and then or 230 million and then in 2020 we did 470 million sales and the one of the reasons we we stayed popular was because we were sending about 2,000 boxes a month to influencers, all the way from small micro nano influencers with a couple thousand followers to Kylie Jenner. And every month we would have that. So one was kind of like top of funnel. Kylie Jenner brings the popularity. A lot of brands wanted to work with us just because they saw the box in Kylie Jenner's and that helped us bring better product. And that was uh, kind of like the branding part behind this. But our our mission was always kind of like understanding that our product is our best assets for marketing. The the box have to you know, like a jaw dropper. It has to be so amazing. How are they doing it? How are they even staying in business? How can they get all those brands? And in 2020, that's when we roll in the best brands out. I mean, we had Natasha Denona with exclusive eyeshadow palettes. We had uh, Fenty with a full takeover box from Fenty. Unreal. Nobody believed it can happen. We had 
uh, car. And, and I mean, those who don't know, it's kind of like I'll, I'll tell you uh, high-end watches that you wouldn't understand. It's the same thing. It's like a Rolex for the beauty brands. You would have NARS. We had NARS Blush, the, the, the Orgasm Blush. The products that you would say, that nah, would never make it into a subscription box. Like, yes, it did. It made it. And there were many of those. So 2020 was the year where we brought all the brands we dreamt of bringing and we took it all the way to the exit. We we roll it all the way to the exit. How did you choose which brands to include in the box? Because sometimes you get a lemmis and one product at least costs like sometimes $80 itself, but the box is cost like $20, you know, the for a whole box. So how do you choose which product to include? I mean, it comes down to some products you already know, right? It's it's easy. It's a trending product. It's a strong product. It's a good core product in the market. And if the price is there, we can go with that. But we had a very uh, uh, good system to know what's going to be the right product and product combination. We always used to say, you need to consider what to give what to who and when. Who needs to get what and when? So just because if, if you have a million, 1.2 million uh, subscribers, mostly women, it's kind of like going into Manhattan. Every female over 18 years old, right, out there, it doesn't mean that all of them would want that particular lipstick with that particular color at the same time, right? So how do you know who, what, who wants what and when? How do you know that? And we build, uh, it was a combination of uh, a very organized survey. And we had, at the time, at least when I was running this, we would survey members. We would send about 3,000 emails, and out of them, 850 usually would respond to all 25 questions. That's an unreal, un for a survey, people would get mad when they did get their service because they would get a peek of what's going to be in the future, in the next few months in the box. And we would survey the, what do you think about this product? What do you think about this combination? Then we would say, what do you think about this box variation completely? And we would get a good indication. And if you would say, well, if over 90% want this variation, then we'll work with that. That's a good variation. Let's leave it. And then we had an AI that would determine who are the 90% who would want it and who are going to be the, the under the 10% who said no to and make sure that, oh, would they make sure that that variation won't go to the wrong? percentage of people that that was one of the indications and it was very efficient very effective we want to make sure that the ai we would do most of the heavy lifting so the ai would already have an amazing box that most people would want and they'll just match it into that consumer we didn't want to go and put too much weight on the ai to say product by product this product yes this product no we wanted to do about 50 to 80 variations a month no more and to make it easy um, make sure that all variations are solid. Some of them would be polarizing. And so it would say some items, we know that some people absolutely do not want those products. You would do a percentage of people, then we'd say this would go only to those groups and vice versa. So if your skin tone is, say, um, deep, then that product goes to that skin tone. But other than that, it was uh, a very cool process actually to play with. It was, it was very cool. And we would always look at the results and it was always succeeding. Very interesting. So basically for anyone who is launching their brand and they have so many questions, they're 
customers can actually give you all the answers you just have to ask them you just have to run like surveys or something like i know victoria's secret does a lot of surveys they have victoria's secret voice and they keep sending me all this service like which color do you want to launch next which one do you like better and this actually gives the brand all the answers yeah and we did this as a as a secret thing so we would say please do not share this it's important for us that no one's going to know knowing well farewell that they are actually going to share this and we enter uh, we created a lot of communities groups on facebook and instagram for them it's kind of like we connect we connect them together if we would see a person that a lady that would create a facebook group talking about boxy charm we would support her on our pages and send traffic to her and and we would give her information before everybody else what's going to be in a box so they would grow those communities and we would leverage that that community we would leverage that discussion and uh and when people would hear it again and again that I'm one of the lucky ones to get the survey ridiculously interesting like how can you get lucky to get a survey but yes I, i'm lucky i'm going to see what's in the future what's coming um and i can impact what's coming in and so they would go and send this they would have a discussion in the communities that was uh, it was a very uh It was exciting time very exciting time to do it very interesting what helped you like how your life changed after you sold the brand because i mean it was it was successful like you launched a successful brand and you sold it how did your life change after there are a couple of parts right first of all i sold the business i stayed a little bit consulting for them then i completely depart and at that time there are a couple of things that happened in my life first you have to understand for nearly 20 years I was running businesses and I had employees so now I don't have to wake up worry about that underlying stress the that one second thing is yeah you get that cash infusing that definitely change your life but I also got divorced so now I'm single I got all that kind of like technically free and um and then there's the other side which you learn that your brand is a way noise your image and when you look at the brand from the side and you you start seeing how the brand goes from there when you don't hold it it's just that that control problem where you said no 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 you're not doing it right or you know it's just it's just you feel like it's it's going to you're not your image is not there anymore and it it's uh very quickly you understand that you have to let that go because otherwise it can mess with your head you can't be this way build something else like take a take a break a little bit then build something else do something else keep yourself occupied don't let it bother because that is it in in few years from now if the brand is not going to make it no one's going to remember the brand and it's going to be if the brand's going to make it good they'll remember you maybe as a founder but you're no longer going to manage the brand so that that part is a lot so you you decide to say you know what i have to quiet i don't have to have the concern every month to make sure everything is okay and you know what let's enjoy the single life a little bit and that's i mean i'm i live by miami and it was it wasn't bad so i i can't complain it was it was worth it amazing yeah sometimes it's hard to let go of the control because they're not doing it in the same way you're doing it and it's like one of the things that entrepreneurs have to do sometimes like they have to let all go the control because nobody will do the same way you will do it but i mean exactly i mean there, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat and each one does it different yeah. and when yeah. you see someone does it another way might be right the right way for if you look at the whole picture but at first you're like ah not like that but eventually you just it's okay you know life goes on uh, and 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 then you start coming up with other cool ideas and uh, creative ideas you build teams for other things and you you keep your mind into 
a new project, which you you learn that the entire part behind this is is yeah, there's the money, but honestly, it's like playing a video game, and you enjoy, it and you just need to find another game eventually, and you play another game, and the money is just another way to keep score, and you move on. Yeah, so true. And did you ever fail during your entrepreneurship career? And what helped you to get back up? You know, failures, if you want to call it a failure, is where you actually stop doing what you're doing, right? If you say, well, I tried a business and it didn't work and I just quit. And I said, that's it. No more. I'm not doing this. I'm going to get a day job. That never happened to me. So technically, I never failed. Have I made mistakes? Plenty. Those are my teachers. I feel like... Errors and mistakes are, are what shapes your reality and perspective. Imagine you walk blindfolded and you're looking for direction and you hit a wall here and there until you kind of like get the parameters. And now it's a lot more clear where you have to head and keep on going, right? It's a, like a childhood disease that are needed. You need to make those errors. If you haven't made any errors when you're young, they're going to come to you. There's going to be, uh, I would say, error debt that's going to come and it's going to knock on your door and it's going to be very painful when you're growing. So you want to make a lot of those mistakes in the beginning when there's a lot, to, uh, very little to lose. When you grow the business and you run into new eras or big businesses, then, you know, you're lucky if you already went through them or have seen people who've done those mistakes and you record that in your brain and you know how to dodge those or you hired people who have been in other companies, who have seen things you haven't seen, and eventually you can dodge those. And then ultimately, even when you grow, and it's all relative what is growth, it's going to come. It's going to happen again. And embrace it. Embrace it and say, good, I'm in a big league now, and those are errors. This is what happened when you're big. You're, you're a target for lawsuits, for anything, and you're ridiculous lawsuits. So you, get, you better get used to it and smile when you see it, because no matter what, they're going to stick it to you. <laughs> it's like there's nothing you can do when you're big. So there's those... There's that, that phase, but it never ends as you keep, if you, unless you stop growing. If you don't grow anymore, then you're not going to see new things and you're just going to do the same thing. You don't evolve. But as long as you grow and you evolve, that's going to be part of the process. I love that you mentioned that as long as we, it's kind of like when we make mistakes, we grow. And as long as we make mistakes, we grow. So it's a part of the process. And yeah, if you stop, you don't make any mistakes. It's too smooth for you. It means if, not you, if, you didn't, if you don't make mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. You're not trying yeah, to push yeah. yourself. So, yeah. So true. And how do you hire right people to fit with your business, to fit with your business needs, and that would make a great team and actually help your business grow? I think there are three parts. The first part is how you hire, then how you onboard, and then how you fire, right? How you hire really comes down to the position. But overall, if you look at the process of me looking to the right, for the right people, I want to make sure that they'll be technically as, as good as they are technically also manager. So when you grow and you, you have a, already quite a few people, uh, you start hiring only the top people, right? You, you, you only do that. And you say, well, say I'm trying to hire a CMO right now. I want to know that you truly know marketing. Don't just go and... So I would ask them three questions. And if you've been listening to my podcast, I've been mentioning this multiple times, three questions. I give you $5,000 to run a small brand every month for marketing only. What do you do? Shoot, 5,000, go. I want to see your technical. I want to know you have done this. And I'm going to ask you 
question specifically about your answer. It's not exactly what the answer was. Just to know you've done this, I will be able to tell by your answer because I started from the bottom and I know the technicalities. So if someone comes, I can tell if they're good or not. So then I'll ask you, now I give you 100,000 a month. What do you do? Now it shows like that you had experience managing large scale operation, larger scale. Now I give you a million. What are you going to do? So I want to see if you've been through that transformation. I don't want you to just parachute from the top managing people. That is not what I'm looking for. That means you've never opened uh, an Instagram account. You have never really ran ads. You have never had. I need that that in your portfolio, but also you've had a team and you've been managing a large budget. That's the first one. And if you couldn't, mostly uh, I would say everyone fell on the first question. Everyone fell on the first question. Not just they can answer something, but then when I go deep, I can kind of like, I can pull the mask off. You really didn't do that, did you? Did you even see the, the, the back end of what you're just talking about? If you, so that's one. Uh, the second part is onboarding. Once you find the right person, you want to explain to them how it works in your business and what the business is all about. In my case, we're very focused on the results, not the process. I have respect for the process, but if we feel that the results are not going to be achieved, even though we've worked on something for a month and then comes epiphany, we're like, shit, we did it wrong. That's not the right way. Kill it. Don't keep wasting time. Move on. We focus on results. So you let them know, hey, we're going to do something. We're going to work on it. And at the last minute, you might kill it. And this, there's going to be a reason why, but don't get discouraged. Understand why we're doing it. So the onboarding is very important. Um, and we explain what the business is all about. I don't want to break it down over here, but we do it very, very short, kind of like a billboard explanation. What is this business all about? You go home, you understand very quickly. The last part, and it's probably 60% of it. If it doesn't work, your job is to make sure that we always let the person go faster than your competition. We do not retain the wrong people. And as higher they are, the fastest you let them go. Meaning if you're a coordinator, I'll give you some chances. I'll give you some training. I'll... But if you come as a VP and you had errors and we feel like you don't know, my job is not to teach you nothing as a VP. Other than the, where is the bathroom and who are your staff, it is your job to have the proficiency. If it is not there, you're going to be the first to go. Because I'm not here to retain a B player more than a minute. I want nothing but A players because an A will solve a problem that a thousand Bs wouldn't be able to solve. So we were able to, uh, to keep a very small team of 160 people that manage a community of 1.2 million members. And our competition was always having five, 600 people running their businesses and we were scaling faster because the quality always outshined the quantity. Well, it's such an incredible way you explained because I've done IT project management for over eight years before I started my brand. And I used to be in charge of HR, I used to be hiring, firing, training people. And it was definitely different because, well, project management and for industry that I've done, it was not as much fun as for you know, the makeup industry. Makeup, yes, I know. Yeah, so I had like more technical terms and I had a lot of like data and all of that. So I had to hire engineers and um, IT guys and like all of this, it, it, it was hard, but still like you have to be choosy with people and you have to see like, sometimes you can see through people if they can do it, the job or not, yeah, some people. Even now, like with my business, I had a lot of 
experience with hiring firing people because some people will say oh yeah yeah yeah, i can do it i can totally do it and when you tell them to do it they, they don't even do it they don't know how to do it because they never they want to hire an agency to do it like i yeah. didn't hire you to hire someone else senor i wanted you to be doing there's a team you, you have a team yeah. you have everything you need go ahead you don't have the tools don't and that, that was i mean i, I was really sliding through it briefly but i mean we would go in a company and we would interview people and we would go and regroup and say what do you think about johnny over here as a candidate and you would you would see my team as like, well we ask him how did he do xyz in his previous job and he would say well i hired an agency and that was a, the biggest red flag like, okay then you couldn't internalize the process in your company that means your business didn't learn anything that means you didn't really do it and why did you even take credit for doing something you hired so, like so that was uh that was a big uh, a big red flag for us but do you entrepreneurs themselves need to know marketing when they actually start a business? Is it 100%? Maybe not. I'm a big fan of knowing marketing. You can have an amazing product out there, but when you know marketing, you also understand the consumer by, by default. You cannot feel the consumer. You're out there yourself. So you can be better in the product market feed space. Now, probably marketing is the more challenging part because most companies that want to develop a product they rarely fail on the development part they mostly fail on a product market fit and the the marketing it's very hard to uh, capture people's awareness think of location 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 back then if i was to tell you that you have a nice suit supply store there is no social media internet but i'm going to put you in a very rural area there is no one out there you're just not going to make it Right? You have to be in a busy part of the town, and we all forget the term location, location, location. So you take that term location, 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 and now in today's world, it's all about marketing, marketing, marketing. Can you create awareness better, faster, and cheaper than your competition? It is much more challenging than a, pro a person that is better in making a product market fit. You can tweak that. You can tweak that, but you usually tweak it when you really tune to the consumer and it comes from marketing. So... I always put emphasis on marketing a lot. And in any way, I mean, everyone can have their thing in marketing. It doesn't have to be one or another. Some can create a marketing uh, viral and know how to edit the videos and, and get virality. Some would have great relationship with influencers and some would be great in just paid. But I could give you particular examples of brands that, that rose and crushed because of one influencer that took the brand to the sky, the, the influencer particularly left, no more relationship with the influencer and the brand collapsed. And I, 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 you look at Becca, took it just like a rocket with, with uh, Champagne Pap with Jacqueline Hill. Jacqueline left, fall off, no safety net, that's it, no more brand. Look at what happened, Estee Lauder bankrupt the brand. You look what happened to Murphy. Murphy is considering doing chapter 11 now. They had the three J's. They had James Charles, Jeffree Star, Jacqueline Hill, the three biggest influencers. They, like a rocket, they took off. Sold for $2 billion valuation to General Atlantic. Three influencers departed. One of them, two of them departed. One left, lost relevancy because of one fell, uh, fell campaign. Boom, lost all relevancy. Not completely, but lost a lot of the relevancy, and now they're challenged. And I can go on and on. You can go and see what happened to other brands that just stopped. One influencer can take a brand to the moon, and and it was um, mind blowing for me how investors put money behind brands just because of the success of one influencer and think 
is it all tied to one one 20 year old that has an iphone and that's how much you pay don't you realize that this is why the brand made it i mean it's kind of like the oprah effect back then on tv when one brand made it into oprah they had a hype and then it starts declining after it's no different and there are billions of dollars spent because of that in, in some companies and it was all gone to vain so marketing is important yeah it's so it amazes me how much brands depend on influencers now but on the other hand they don't respect influencers because some of them are just not even respecting their time or budgets or anything they're offering like ridiculous you know amounts for advertising them and they don't understand the quality and they don't, don't understand the value of what influencers bring to the table but I mean, there are mixed emotions. You know, you know, there is something there. There are two sides for it because if you're if you're a brand in 2015, 2014, the relevancy of, of influencers was completely different what it, than what it is today. So many influencers could crush your website just from mentioning you on, on YouTube, and so many of them, because the relevancy was different at the time. There are much less. Uh, followers much less views but it was when people would just run and buy what they say they liked and they didn't charge that much then price went up because there were more input it's a supply and demand issue now more and more brands came in more and more were willing to pay and now it's for the highest bidder nobody's fault that is just the way the cookie crumbles and coming down to 2022 every brand works with influencer today they go to influencers and they just pay and it's out for the bid. And those influencers lost relevancy for many reasons. It's been a long time. People figure it out. It's just the consumer is much more aware and, and it is what it is. Now they're selling everything from teeth whitening to NFTs to you, you compete with sort of steak knives now uh, for awareness. So now it's more of awareness builder and the product needs to sell itself back then they'll buy it all if they if if uh, kathleen light in 2015 said oh my god this is amazing that's it the site will crash and that was that was happening so many times so in response some brands that started early said well you know you're overcharging me back then i didn't pay that much and i got all those results now it's not is it the influencer fault absolutely not is it the brand's fault also not so there are two ways to look at this so true. And what are the best ways to invest right now? And um, where to invest? Please tell me. I would like to know that. I mean, I would <laughs> very much like to know that. I mean, I'm sitting on all that cash. I was pulling out of the market in February, knowing that it's about to crash. And sure enough, it did. So right now I'm sitting uh, on my cash. I know the better opportunities are ahead of us. So if, but if you have a better way, just tell me, I would like to know. Birkin bags, they go up in value. <laughs> uh, they went down now, right? All the consumer goods, uh, luxury goods went to the sky and now went down a little bit. There was that correction and it's still going to correct itself. So I, I don't know if really a bag is an investment because can you really sell it for what a store, a physical place, someone reputation sells it? Like in a regular, I don't know. I don't know much about that. Birkin NFT probably sells more than bag now. <laughs> Perhaps. And what qualities helped you to become a successful entrepreneur? Relentless, just keeps trying, never give up. Um, and um, I, I'm, I'm really about the momentum. I, I'm just, uh, a sense of urgency is, is not even, not, like sometimes I, I, would, I wouldn't be nice. I would not rude or anything, but not bad, but 
just sense of urgency is different. I was always prioritizing momentum over perfection of execution because momentum is momentum. It's just if you if you don't have the way, like you don't have to perfect it when when conditions are just perfect and all the stars align, this is the time to do it, right? If I tell you right now, there's a solar eclipse. So you need a certain conditions. You need the moon to be between the sun and the earth. You need to know about this. You need to be outside and then you need to look up into the sky, right? Now, you probably want to cover your eyes a little bit, but it doesn't matter if it's the professional uh, type of lunar eclipse glasses or, say, uh, something just from your car with the shades, right? It doesn't matter. So instead of saying, no, let me go and look in my house for two hours for that professional glasses. Well, in two hours, the solar eclipse is going to be gone. You better use what you have right now, right? That is a momentum for me. So that's why I was extremely, extremely um, worried about time sensitivity and just relentless. And I figured in order for me to win, I need to know the product better than the competition. So I had to be really good in product. So I flew all over the world, every lab, everything to understand what is the plastic composition price. How can I get the same formula, similar component, actually looking the same, but not overly accessorize the packaging and making sure that the plastic is going to be cheaper because anyway, it's painted black. And there's a, so you can reduce every cost you can, so you can get the right product, but modify the package. So it was just knowing the product better than your competition. Proficiency. That's a great advice. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So what are the essential things you need to know as an aspiring entrepreneur? I say marketing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's critical marketing. Um, look, I like to look at something. Can I try marketing this? Who is my competition in marketing? They're not that good. Okay. Now I'm sure there's a space to it. Let's go. Uh, so I can start instead of from the product all the way from the marketing, then take it back to the product. So I say marketing is, a, is probably more essential. Uh, figuring out how to manage a business and everything else, you can, you can do it as you go along. But marketing is so critical because it allows you to start off right away. And again, creating awareness better, faster and cheaper than the competition in the early stage where it's that much critical. So you can start hitting it off without any injection of capital, just making money right away because you created free awareness and then go sell 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 and build yourself up modify the product to be a better product if you need to and take it from here so i would always i would say marketing marketing and how did you feel that was the right time to sell your business when like i know entrepreneurs have to have gut feeling and they have to go with it because sometimes i mean you have to trust yourself on decisions you're making so how did you feel it was the right time and and right time to sell it. I noticed in 2018 that the beauty industry stopped trending as much as it was trending in 16 and 17. In fact, I, found, I felt it around 2017 already. But 2018, uh, there, well, 2017, there are two things that happened. I noticed that it slowed down the trendiness, but we're booming. We're doing amazing. But I was talking to um, one of the influencers we work with, and she was a Gen Z. She was at the time 16 years old. And I always like to ask them questions because I wanted to see how 16-year-olds think because I figured this is my future. In four years from now, they'll be 20. They're going to have more, so I, a buying power. So I, I need to know how they think. And the beauty industry at the time was color cosmetic was at its peak. People wanted all those eyeshadows under the sun, every color under the sun, uh, under the rainbow. And 
highlighter has to be as flashy. I want I want to be seen from the moon with those highlighters. And she looked at me and said, yes, we don't do that to my age. This is like my old sister's look. Yuck. This is now for us, it's no makeup. Makeup, you'll see it's going to start rolling, which means they're not going to need an eyeshadow every month because it's all the same. It's nude colors. That means it's very bad for my business. That means it's better if we sell because I don't want to wake up one day and the Training of color cosmetics is gone and it's all about the same colors because then they don't need an, a, a box every month. We would sell the box because of the eyeshadow palette every month in a box by the end of the day. Not because of the lipsticks, not because of the eyeliners, not even because of the skincare. Skincare can only hold you for so long. Color cosmetic was the thing and I knew it very well. So I said, okay, um, 2018, I noticed that the company, that the, we were training much less. And I went to my partner and said, look, we're already a hundred million plus in sales. We probably can get a couple hundred millions. Let's go. And we started rolling this for sale 2019 because that was the end of 2018. We were already in the process. We had the hiccup, pushed it to the end of 2019. And, um, you know, I, 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 in 2019, it was obvious that the industry is no longer training as before. No brand was booming except one eyeshadow palette by Jeffree Star, Conspiracy Theory. Nothing was trending like before. It was gone. The, in fact, YouTube declared that the number one trending category is no longer beauty transformation. It was ASMR and I don't want people eating food. And it was just the trending as a category. So it was the end of a, the end of a renaissance. So I said, this is the time to get out. So we were supposed to sell early 2020. COVID happened because we're supposed to sell the end of March, 2020 in March. COVID happened in March, but everything got delayed at the end of 2020 and eventually we get out. 2020 was a little bit of an anomaly because there was a stimulus check and people kept buying everything. So we did great with that, but it was imminent. It was just, the cliff is coming. Get off the car before it falls off a cliff. That's how I felt at least. And uh, I can't speak to what happened. I don't want to speak about that because you know, I'm not there anymore, but that was my gut feeling. And I said, Let, let's just uh, move on. The new correction for the correction will come, but I don't want to wait. I want to go in this cycle. This is my time to cash out. But there was one more thing. I mean, I'm making it too long now, but I'll tell you, I mean, there is one more thing. I had to surprise a million ladies every month. Every month I had to come up with something. And I've done this for seven and a half years and I felt like, I need a break. This is not something I can pass on to my kids. I mean, eventually I'll die from this. Like, that's it. And if it's not exactly what they want, you have a million angry ladies. So I really wanted a break. And, you know, thank God I got it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough job to surprise million ladies. <laughs> I mean, it was done well because I was surprised every month with a box. <laughs> I thank still. And the one. You know, the box is late because. UPS, something, I don't know. There's always those. So it's just very stressful, uh, very, very stressful. High expectations. Every month has to be better than the last month. And what else can I give them that I haven't given them? I mean, come on, I gave you all the brands already. Nothing is going to excite you eventually. So uh, it's time for me to go before they get bored or angry at me again. So I, I had to get out. What is the best advice you can give to someone who wants to start a brand or someone who wants to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think um, I'll go back to marketing and then focus on product market fit and don't ever fall in love with the process. Always 
always, always think of results. Remember why you're here. If you to kill the king, if you have to sacrifice the queen, it's okay. It's all about the king. So don't forget the most important part. This is it. This is the results. So respect the process, but results is, more, is, is what you have to keep in mind. And also make it very clear. Once you scale your business, make it very clear why, why are you even here. To yourself first, tell them what are you doing? What is your goal? Don't, don't worry about mission statements yet. Start with a goal. What is the business goal is? What is it? For me, it was to grow while I'm profitable. And then how are you going to grow? So write yourself the couple pillars, couple main strategies, how you're going to get to the growth. Articulate this very fast to everybody and tell them this is our goal and this is the four, three, five, whatever number of pillars to make it over there. This way, everyone understands what they're all about and how they're going to make it. So in a lieu of you being in a room, they'll make the right decisions. And everything they throw on the wall is going to stick. It's a goal-oriented business. That's a great advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for no this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.